The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When everybody gets together and you play as a team, okay, and you run block and you do your assignments as receivers and everything, all right, you have 69 carries for 460 yards. Not 200 yards! Oh, stop it! What's up, players? This is the talk of champions, franchise player. Always boss player. Forever! Without fail, every single time Ole Miss and Auburn come together to play football, something weird happens. It's never normal. But Ole Miss typically doesn't win. Actually, Ole Miss hadn't beaten Auburn since 2015, and it looked like Ole Miss was going to blow them out in the 2022 edition of their series, their all-time series. Jumped up 21 to nothing. Of course, Auburn came back time and time again. It got weird, but dead gummit if Ole Miss didn't come out with a win anyway. What's up, David? You know, it it was an SEC West opponent. And, you know, I I saw a lot of these prediction scores of 55-7, 49-10. It's an SEC West opponent, and it's the first of six straight. I I got news for everybody. I mean, Ole Miss can win out, but pretty much every weekend is going to be like this today. Um, you're in dogfights for the rest of the way. You're 7-0. and We all should be extremely happy about that. You're going to rise up a spot or two inside the top 10, depending on other games being played today. And um, you can't be in a better position. So much like last week against Vandy, yeah, we could sit here and nitpick all the negatives, and there were some. I mean, this team is 7-0. and You've got LSU right around the corner. It's going to take a gallant effort to win down in Baton Rouge. This team certainly is capable of that. Guys, it's going to be tough the rest of the way. 
And and that's just the bottom line. That's the way I see it. I'm not going to nitpick it. Ole Miss has won 14 straight home games. It's unprecedented. They've won 21 of the last 25 games with Lane Kiffin as head coach. That's all incredible things. We know the exact same amount about Ole Miss today as we did entering the year. Exactly. Exactly. We knew they were going to be able to run the football. We felt the defense was better. It is better. Um, It may not be the world-beating defense we thought it was a couple of weeks back. But, um, yeah, I I think we kind of know what we knew about this team. And really and truly, you're probably not going to find anything new out about them until a couple of weeks down the line. You know, the quarterback play is, is very average for the SEC. Any way you shake it, Jackson didn't have a great day today. I mean, he was nine of 19. He did throw three touchdowns, and that was big. But he was also so, one of three 100-yard rushers for Ole Miss, so you got to account for that too. One, one, one of three, but he misfired in the end zone several times when Ole Miss had to settle for a field goal. When was it, third quarter, early fourth quarter? Yeah, both times to Mingo. And, and you know, seven games in, I, I think you come to the realization, Ben, you're just going to have to deal with certain things. Yeah. And and that may be one of those things you have to deal with. You know, uh, you know, and, and, and Mingo, you know, shut out today. No catches. Wasn't targeted a whole lot, but uh, certainly an underwhelming performance coming off what he did at Vanderbilt last week. Um, but, you know, you look for somebody else. How about Dayton Wade? I, I mean, Dayton Wade goes, goes off today. Uh, finished with 157 total yards, all-purpose yards. He did it, uh, you know, by catching the ball, two catches, 44 yards, one of Dart's touchdowns went to him, and then he did it on some rushes, four attempts for 63 yards. Who saw that coming? We all knew Dayton Wade flashed during fall camp, and we were just kind of waiting for this and Ole Miss to start using him, and they did today. Play action. Dart. He wants the deep shot. Wide open in the end zone. Holding it in. Dayton Wade. That's an Ole Miss touchdown. This game had everything. Like I said, Ole Miss had three different players go over 100 yards rushing on the day. Quinshawn Judkins, Zach Evans, and Jackson Dart. Actually, it was Judkins. Um, that scored a 41-yarder late there in the second half that allowed Ole Miss, or late in the fourth quarter, actually, that allowed Ole Miss to take control again. You had a lightning delay, too, that stopped action, caused cameramen for ESPN to have to run and hide. And it was also by far the worst statistical day for the Ole Miss defense that it's had all year. Otis Reese, only guy to finish with double digits in tackles. I thought Otis played a good game. Uh, he did not get a lot of help from from his mates on that side of the ball. I will say this. Lane Kiffin was not coaching that game to not lose. He was coaching that game to win it. And you will never, ever see a better example of that than after Auburn stuffs the Ole Miss offense Yes. down in the end zone, nine minutes, 46 seconds to go in the third quarter. And Kiffin has to settle for a 23-yard Jonathan Cruz field goal. What does he do? 
He dials up that onside kick on the very next play, takes the ball back because Auburn had cut that game. It was 31-24 at that point. Too close to give him the ball back, so Kiffin doesn't give him the ball back. Beautiful onside kick by Jonathan Cruz, recovered by Brandon Buckhalter. In five plays, 57 yards later, Ole Miss is in the end zone. Five-yard run by Quinshawn Judkins, and you're up 38-24. After this kick, but you're gonna like you'll, you'll see the coach knows a surprise onside kick trying to steal a possession. Ole Miss, and it looks like they've done it. That ball just barely traveled the necessary 10 for it to become alive. Auburn surprised, and Lane Kiffin rolls the dice on special teams and they steal one back. Auburn comes back, pulls back within 38 31. Another cruise field goal extends it out to double digits, 41-31. And dang it, the Auburn doesn't come back again. Anders Carlson, 28-yard field goal. But then, as you've already alluded to, that caused the lightning delay. Quinshawn Judkins that summoned lightning down from the heavens, 41 yards right up the gut, middle of Auburn's defense, 48-34 Ole Miss, ball game. I want to talk about those two particular decisions that you just referenced. The first one, Ole Miss is up 28 to 24, settle for a field goal. That whole drive, and really for the entire game, because Ole Miss was completely committed to running the ball. Ole Miss came into the day tops in the SEC in rushing. I think in this game, past Georgia for the most rushing touchdowns in the country as play is continuing right now on the Saturday. Right now, Tennessee is up 28 to 17 on Alabama. But um, that drive in particular, they'd run the ball like they'd done all games, setting up what looked to be eventually a trick play. And you thought that was going to come by way of play action because the safeties for Auburn were sucking up. But, no, they stuck to the ground game, like stubbornly committed to it. And good thing they did because that was the winning formula. But the trick play didn't come in play action. It came on an onside kick. And then that second one, the book had to tell Lane Kiffin to go for it. But he's talked about before how – a lot of people like to clip it and say, oh, yeah, Lane Kiffin just goes for every fourth down. No, he doesn't. He factors in gut fill. And Ole Miss could not afford at that point to even risk putting up a goose egg in one of their final handful of drives, right? I mean, they had to score every time they touched the ball because the defense was that bad. Those calls are not monolithic. You don't just make it because the book tells you to. And because he made those choices, Ole Miss won. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and look – uh, Jackson Dart got sacked today. It was the third sack given up by Ole Miss this year. So there are going to be some people, and Jackson didn't have a great day. Look, all of that was not on his offensive line. And uh, I haven't seen the official designation of this yet, but if they didn't, they came awful close to breaking the team rushing record today. There was some good blocking going on up in those trenches, Ben. They were opening holes, and that's not to discount how good of a runner Zach Evans is or how good of a runner that Quinshawn Judkins is or Jackson Dart's scrambling ability. you got to have some guys in front of you blocking, and uh, they, did a, they did a good job with that today. Oh, absolutely. You can't have three 100-yard rushers 
and your offensive line not get credit. And see, I feel differently oh, yes, than you, you do. About, you, need to, uh, you need to read our message board. Yes, you can. Uh, uh, David writes for Inside the Rebels, an affiliate of 247 Sports. I write for the Old Miss Spirit, an affiliate of On3. He's at Rebels247 on Twitter. I'm at Spirit Ben. I feel differently about Jackson Dart. I thought he was in control and played a really good game. Yeah, he missed those two throws, but as far as controlling the game, that interception wasn't his fault. Jonathan Mingo Ooh. dropped that ball. Now, maybe you could argue that he shouldn't have thrown it to begin with, but that ball hit him square in the stomach with nobody around him, and he popped it up and it resulted in interception. I thought he was pretty well in control and showed growth again from how well he played in a passing-dominant effort at Vanderbilt. Well, nine for 19, 130, 130 yards. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you could argue against seeing growth today. You certainly have to applaud him for what he did on the ground. Uh, three touchdown passes as well. Would like to see that completion percentage a little bit higher because on several of those, uh, you know, the ball just wasn't there. But, um, you know, what did we say about Jackson Dart? As he's developing and growing, his job is to manage this offense. I would say 48 points worth he managed it today. Mm -hmm. He did well. I mean, so I'm not coming down hard on Dart. I'm just saying nine for 1,930 yards. Most of the time you read that stat line in an SEC football game, and it means your team lost. Auburn this season had been outscored by Power 5 teams 118 to 56. They were one in three against Power 5 teams entering today. How concerned are you after that defensive performance? Granted, DeAndre Prince sealed it with a nice interception, good pressure on that play, but this three-man front, this stubborn commitment to it as teams are just running it down your throat. I have some issues. Yeah. And Lane will tell you this. He's already said it. You know, each and every week is kind of a battle into itself. And uh, so much has to do with matchups and what you can exploit and what you don't think you can exploit. So I don't put a whole lot into the fact you gave up 34 points to Auburn. Why? Because you scored 48. Um, I'm not uh, – I'm not too doggone worried about that, to be honest with you, because, you know, you're going to have a different game plan when you go to LSU. You're going to have a different one at, at A&M. You're going to have a different one at Alabama, and I cannot believe they're losing. Auburn came in as one of the worst third-down conversion teams in the country, and I know that they didn't finish with a good conversion rate. I think it was 5 or 14 or something like that. But they totaled over a third of their season total as far as third-down conversions against Ole Miss. And this was by yeah. far the most points scored in a game against a Power 5 opponent since Mississippi State of last season, which was Bo Nix's final game. And once they got to 31 well, points, that was the most Auburn has scored against an FBS opponent since that game too. So defensively, to allow them – and the reason why Ole Miss won is because I think they scored at 1.8 on eight of their last 10 drives – same span, you had Auburn scoring on six of seven. You could look at the same thing and go, Penn State only scored 41 at Auburn. Ole Miss scored 48. Missouri only scored 17. LSU only scored 21 against Auburn. And Georgia only scored 42 in Athens. So, you know, you can bend and shape all of those comparisons all you want. I mean, the bottom line is Ole Miss won by 14 points. Did not cover the spread, they did not. for those of you interested in such things. Ole Miss and the overhit, they yeah. did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is a team 
I mean, look, they beat Mercer. So what? Uh, they they beat a pretty good San Jose State team, 24 to 16. Um, we all saw how they won against Missouri. That was terrible right at the end. Um, but, you know, we talk about growth with Jackson Dart, and we're seeing that. But maybe Auburn saw some growth with Robbie Ashford today. Maybe a little bit of growth, a little bit yeah, of Yeah, benched more him early maturity. and then brought him back in, and he was great. He played well after that. He certainly did. So, uh, you know, I think that was a frustration bench. I mean, you're going to go out there and turn the ball over. You're not going to play. And then the next guy they put in, uh-huh. he goes out there and does the same thing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Auburn's three and four. They've got Arkansas State. Um those are probably two losses, to be honest with you. So three and six, A and M, three and seven. By then, you know it's it's over. The 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 the, the guys have checked out. Um, but they got Western Kentucky. They'll win that one. Auburn's probably going four and eight this year because they finished the season with Alabama and Tuscaloosa. When is Brian Harson fired? That was the next thing I was going to say. So if I'm an a well healed Auburn booster. And I just did the same thing that I just did here. And I go four and eight. I, you know, I may be like, hey, let's go on and end this misery. Let, let, let's give somebody else a chance. Um, maybe as early as tomorrow. I mean, they don't play next Saturday. So if you're going to fire a guy and give your staff time to adjust and your players time to adjust, the open date week is probably uh, the one to do it on. This is Franchise Player, a post-game edition of Franchise Player. After Ole Miss beats Auburn 48-34, to 14 straight home wins, now 7-0 in the year, 3-0 in the SEC. Auburn falls to 3-4 and four and 1-3. and three. Here's Lane Kiffin after Ole Miss's win. You know, really good team win, um, unusual with the delay. So I was really proud of, you know, we had a long time to sit in there, you know, to really talk to our players about finishing people off and, you know, because these guys had rallied and you know, made a close game. So I was very pleased that we finished on offense and defense. You know, we stopped them there, got the pick to shut down the series, and then, you know, didn't give them the ball back again by making the two first downs to end the game. So, you know, we talked about that during the delay that very likely could happen. You know, we got to stop on defense. We'll probably need, you know, eventually <clears throat> two first downs to end the game. So that was good. We've not been great at that really uh, our two and a half years here so that was really good to see and you know obviously kind of the story of the game we didn't stop running um, we ran the ball extremely well so <clears throat> have three rushers over 100 yards there's a lot of people doing things right like i told the guys you know we had cool stories during the delay walking off and mingo didn't have a catch on uh, the game after a record setting day is like talking about how well he's doing on the crack blocks and how many rushing yards we have. And so uh, that's really cool when you have unselfish people like that. All right, questions? Lane, uh, just based on kind of eye test, what's kind of your level of concern about uh, defense coming in, coming out of this one? You know, Auburn's scoring 34. I believe that's 14 more than their average. Um, yeah. You know, obviously that was not up to our standards, um, no matter who's in there. You know, our, unfortunately our best player tried to go. Um, 
arguably our best player from an impact standpoint and Cedric and wasn't able to, to play at all. Um, not making excuses, but um, so guys got to step up like we tell them. This is the middle of the season here and have injuries. And obviously we did not tackle well again uh, this week in a ton of explosive runs. So, you know, I guess the guys said they announced, you know, we got lightning within eight miles of here. I said, well, we ain't got any run defense within eight miles of here. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe we'll have 30 minutes to go figure it out. Could you kind of take us through uh, the decision to go for the onside kick in the third quarter? What did you see? And then, uh, how big of a play did that end up being because you guys capitalized on it and scored? Yeah, I mean, huge play uh, for the players to make the play. Something on film and uh, Coach Biagi done a great job finding it. We practiced it all week. And, you know, just it said if we were struggling in the game, um, you know, it was going back and forth, even though that wasn't maybe what people anticipated in the game. You know, high scoring type of game that, you know, let's do it. And, I think we just run an 11 play drive, and so think about that when you get it, now they're back on the field again, and so I think they end up playing 20 straight snaps uh, on defense. So I'm really glad the players made it and obviously impact the game um, a lot, but again, they don't work all the time if the players don't make the plays. You have me at Dauber, 225 to 23 in that first quarter. Just going on what you see differently defensively in that, in that first quarter, and how did it kind of just kind of unravel the rest of the way? I mean, it was really two things. It was really third down plays, you know, where the quarterback would either scramble, make a play, or make a big throw uh, to keep drives alive. We had a third and 15, and then a third and nine on the same drive, and then the inability to make tackles in the run game. You know, it kind of felt like during the game, like ours was harder. Like we had to work our way down the field a lot more, and there, you know, their runs were breaking. And we'd have a guy there and he'd miss the tackle. So, um, you know, that's a major issue. You know, it's not the first time it showed up. So, again, we have issues on our team. They change every week. We're seven zero, which is great, but we've got to fix these things because I keep saying it's going to get harder. I know you've coached in shootouts before, but can you recall we're coaching a game with 748 rushing yards or whatever this was? Uh, I'm sure we, we've had them here. Um, <laughs> in our first year, it felt like everything was like that. So uh, I did have that feeling again, you know, kind of like the South Carolina one here. Um, so, but it's just saying, hey, we got to score and, and keep the lead. Dan Wade had a, a really nice day running the ball and uh, receiving guys first touchdown. Um, what would you kind of see from him leading into this game that kind of made you comfortable? I mean, he, he's been hurt some, and so he's always made plays in practice. And, you know, a few times he's gotten in there, even though know, when the ball's gone to him, he's done a great job. He's a good job as a returner. So, you know, we always say we're a lot better when we can rotate guys in and, you know, not wear our receivers out. And so, stepped up, much like Jordan Watkins has earlier in the year, and, and made plays. So Jalen Robinson is out again, and so guys stepped up. Look, obviously Darden is a run threat, was heavy in the game plan today. Just what have you seen in the confidence-wise of him being able to kind of take that part of his game and elevate it? Yeah, really good job by him. You know, 
actually wasn't 100 percent coming into the game, so uh, really tough through some things, and you know ran, ran really well. And again, tight ends and receivers, perimeter block really well. You know, a lot of those crack different types of schemes that got the ball on the perimeter because I just felt those guys have always played well in between the tackles. Um, and we need to get the ball on the edge and get around them. Kind of going on next question, when was the last time you were part of an offense that had three 100-yard rushers in your ball? I don't remember that. Um, I know we have, but I'm not really sure um, when that was. But, you know, again, that's an accumulation of guys doing a lot of guys doing things right, obviously offensive line, but the tight ends and receivers um, and how they how they blocked and running backs, how they finished the runs too. You know, you didn't see guys running out of bounds, getting extra yards. Um, you know, and I think this is in Georgia Tech, we're up near 69 carries, so that doesn't happen very often, um, especially in an SEC game. So you got to do whatever it takes to get the one and one. That was running the ball today. I know a lot of people connect your, your name with the passing game and all that kind of thing. Yet your teams have always been able to run the ball. Is that on a day like today when the maybe the pass wasn't as available, being able to run like that, is that something that you're really proud of in terms of your reputation and that kind of thing? I mean, I don't care about the reputation. I just like it better as a feeling. And so uh, we had this conversation often. I don't know why it's always that way about work. You know, I'm associated with throwing the ball. But, Awesome to see today, and you know the other way is fun, but you know this is more demoralizing, you know, to a team when you're able to you know continue to run the ball like that. We saw a lot of guys go down for them, and you know we're able to wear them down. And right before the lightning, the late Hughes run, you know, finally broke. So it was, it was good. Were you going for a handstand after the onside kick, or was that just kind of spontaneous? <laughs> what you did there with the celebration? I was trying not to be up there and like pay attention because I always think the other coach is going to look and oh, if he's talking to a special team, maybe they're doing something. So I was actually pretending I was talking to the defense down there about the next series. I probably overthink things. <laughs> so I kind of didn't. I actually watched the screen, so I wasn't watching the kick. Anything else for coach? Here I go. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, 
and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head. And PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season. And concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tacova store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We're going three. One, two, three. Let's go. Helmet stickers. Every single week, we hand out helmet stickers to players of the game. Win, lose, or draw. David, your first helmet sticker goes to who? Oh, my goodness. I'm up first, huh? Always. And I better I better have you somebody. Um, man, I go with Dayton Wade. And just because of the impact he had on the game, particularly in the first half, again, two two catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown. That touchdown went for 35 yards. And then, uh, you know, some end-around action for Dayton Wade, four times, 63 yards. His long was 36, averaged 15.8 yards per carry. Dayton Wade gets my first uh, game ball this week. He has to get – well, not game ball. It's helmet stickers on our show together. Yeah, Dayton. helmet stickers, yeah. Game yeah, balls uh-huh. are still to come. <laughs> and they're still to come inside the Rebels 247. <laughs> it's the first one. It has to be the first one. And I think one play that doesn't need to be lost in Ole Miss's win that was critical was when Ole Miss was up 38-31 to 31 in the third quarter. It was a third and long. And Dayton Wade made a contested catch for a critical third down conversion, which led to one of those Jonathan Cruz field goals. Jonathan Cruz finished. He's getting my first helmet sticker if you can't tell. He was uh, two for two with a long of 42. Why does he get a helmet sticker? Well, obviously, he was successful, and he was responsible for a great onside kick. But even more than that, having a really good kicker and how Lane Kiffin, who hates kicking, can bite his lip and rely on him, it is a huge strength for this team. Well-deserved. Well Your deserved. second helmet sticker goes to who? I'm going to give it to Quinshawn Judkins just because he keeps showing up and showing out. True freshman, 25 carries, 139 yards, two touchdowns, the the long run of 41 yards, 
to the end zone, sealed it for the Rebels. He brought a lightning delay down on, on the Vaughn. I, I mean, that's, to me, that's helmet sticker worthy, Ben. That's helmet sticker worthy. My second one is going to go to DeAndre Prince. I know it was a bad day for Ole Miss defensively, but when they had to make a play, fourth and 11, they'd already given up two fourth downs on the drive, the last drive for Auburn offensively on the day. They made the play when it mattered most, and DeAndre Prince got an interception. Four-man rush again for Ole Miss. Spinning out is Ashford, being chased to the sideline, throws one into traffic, and it's intercepted. DeAndre Prince with the exclamation point for Ole Miss. Third helmet sticker goes to the offensive line. Dang, you stole mine. Uh, well, well, I mean, 448 yards on the ground for the Rebels. Dart was sacked once today. Again, only the third sack Ole Miss has given up through seven games, which is which is one of the tops in the country. Could be tops after all the action is completed today. Um, Jake Thornton has built what we were telling you guys back in August. They had some depth. And some of these young guys were extremely talented. Now we see two of those young guys starting as the bookend tackles for the Rebels in Jaden Williams and Micah Pettis. Um, you know, you have a situation where Pettis goes down today for, for a series and James has to slide out to right tackle and they have to bring Eli Acker in at guard. They really never missed a beat. There's still a few snap issues uh, going on there, but – Overall, I think a really good day for the offensive line. The snaps got better. At first, they had a couple bad ones. One almost resulted in a turnover. But to their credit, they got better. There was nowhere else to go but up, but they got better. So, please, just let's keep this streak of like two-and-a-half-plus quarters of no bad snaps going because it's much better this way. Last year, Jerry Ely and Snoop Connor combined to score 20 touchdowns in 13 games. Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins – now have almost as many, I think they're one or two shy, in now seven games. The almost rushing attack has been dominant, number one in the SEC, and a big reason why, obviously, is the offensive line. Well, since you stole mine, my last helmet sticker goes to Brandon Buckhalter, who recovered the onside kick. Mississippi kid out of Hartfield Academy. Who won the week? We're going three, one, two, three. Let's go. Who won the week? Every single week after Ole Miss wins or losses, I asked David which Ole Miss player or coach or situation won the week. David, what, who, when, where, how won the week? It, it's a play. It's the onside kick called by Lane Kiffin. It's the perfect execution by kicker Jonathan Cruz. It is the perfect recovery by Brandon Buckhalter. To me, that won the week. All right, if Ole Miss and Tennessee somehow made it to the SEC title game to play each other, can you imagine mm. the nervous energy in that stadium? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would be tough. My question is, and you can ask this either way, if Alabama loses, does Ole Miss leapfrog them? If Tennessee loses, does Ole Miss leapfrog them? I think it's no for Alabama, yes for Tennessee. In other words – Ole Miss jumps ahead of Tennessee if they lose to Bama. But I think even a one-loss Bama, the pollsters are going to keep them ahead of Ole Miss by a spot or two. So you think Ole Miss is going to be top six come Sunday? 
Uh, it depends. It depends. I mean, somebody's going to fall in this one. Um, there were a couple other games today going on that uh, that had some top ten repercussions to it as well. I, I think Ole Miss moves up. Um, how high is yet to be determined. Yeah, but 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 again, as long as Ole Miss keeps winning, and, and these media types are kind of like this, everybody's spying that November twelfth Ole Miss Alabama game. And man, if you could have that be a top five matchup. The media is all for it, I promise you. So they will do the necessary voting to scoot Ole Miss up into the top five by November 12th, as long as the Rebels are still unbeaten. So Ole Miss is going to be ranked probably top eight, but the question becomes, yes, they're ranked top eight, but having seen every single game they've played, do you think they're one of the top eight best teams in the country? Oh, man, that that is such a tough question because, you know, you ask this about every unbeaten team right now. Right. Who have you beat? And and what's the most impressive victory in Ole Miss's 7-0 and start for you? Kentucky. Which one counts the most? That has lost two in a row. That is probably going to lose its third straight game tonight. Um, that's probably, yeah, the most impressive win. And I would argue – Auburn probably ranks as the second most impressive win. And how much do you learn about them at, at mm-hmm. LSU? Because, uh, you know, this is a team, you know, it's kind of like how we started this podcast. Do we really even know more about Ole Miss after today than we did back in August? No. I, I don't think so because I, I got to be honest with you. I, I picked Ole Miss to be 8-0 going to College Station. Now, I thought the Aggies would be a tougher – out out there and, and they still very well could be but um but no i picked Ole miss to start eight no I, I i've picked them to win in baton rouge on saturday and um you know so no i tell you what though this Ole miss alabama matchup actually looks like one where i could buy Ole miss with a developmental quarterback beating alabama which i never want to have a developmental quarterback going against nick saban but they don't scare you like they usually do they scare me. <laughs> yes, you're right. Historically, you go with Alabama winning that game. But, hey, look, Ole Miss just beat Auburn, and they have been equally as tortured um, against Auburn as has Ole Miss than against Alabama. So, sure. LSU plays at Florida tonight at 6, okay? Um, if they win it, what is that, 5-2. and two. LSU will be 5-2 and two hosting a 7-0 and oh Ole Miss team. And out of the most impressive victories – for LSU, I would say it's that 31-16 win over Mississippi State back on September 17th. Um, and that was in Tiger Stadium, and it's a difficult place to play. We all know that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, it, it's the SEC West the rest of the way, Ben. Every week is going to be just like today. It's going to be gut-wrenching at times, and, you know, somebody's going to pull out to a double-digit lead and be able to hold on. That's the way I see it going. I don't see any 30-10 to 10 blowouts or 35-7 or 48-14 wins the rest of the way. I don't see that on either side of the equation, win, lose, or draw. These are going to be white-knuckle games the rest of the way. You got six weeks left, five games Get ready. I mean, I mean, this is going to be a uh, – it's going to be fun. It should be fun. 
Well, one thing that concerns me about Ole Miss at LSU is Jaden Daniels is effectively a better version of what Robbie Ashford is. He is. He is. He's a better passer than Ashford for sure, and I think he's a better scrambler. Yeah. Um, and uh, can certainly give your defense trouble. And, and you know, so many defenses, they forget to account for the quarterback. I mean, a la Jackson Dart runs for 115 today. Um, you know, and um, with, with, with LSU's quarterback, look, yeah, yeah, you got to spy him all night or he's going to burn you. You've got to do that. Jaden Daniels, that's where that's why Ole Miss could learn about itself at LSU's because Jaden Daniels is a better version of Robbie Ashford. So can you show growth from what was pretty ugly all afternoon against Auburn against LSU? If you do, you'll not only win, you'll set up two marquee opportunities against Texas A&M and Alabama. We'll see what happens. This has been another edition of the Franchise Player Post Game Show. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. You can check me out at the Ole Miss Spirit on three. He's David Johnson at Rebels 247, inside the Rebels 247. We'll be back for Overreaction Monday. See you then, buddy. Howdy, Kyle, everybody. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best-kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.